0: What does it mean to relapse in Al Anon? Have you had an Al Anon slip? What did you do to recover from that slip? Welcome to episode 191 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Kimberly, Cindy, and Deborah. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Kimberly, Cindy, and Deborah, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery.
1: Before we begin, we'd like to state that though we at the Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope you'll find something in our sharing that speaks to
0: your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today, and I want to welcome my co-host, Eric. Good
1: morning, Spencer. Welcome from Greenwich, Connecticut.
0: So you found a reading in the Alateen Daily Reader, I guess.
1: Sure, a good one. There are scant few readings in our books about the topic of slips. There are few, but not a lot. So I went to you know Alateen and actually found more in, in that one and in ours. And so this one's from January 31st in um, Alatine, A Day at Time. It says, for AA members, having a slip means going back to drinking. A teens can have slips, too. For us, a slip is a change back to our old attitudes. When our family, friends, or school get to be too much for us, do we do what we used to, run away from our problems, or blame them on someone or something else? Or do we use our program? Slogans like, how important is it? Live and let live, and let go and let God, help us get over the rough spots. We can turn our attitudes over to our higher power and ask him to help us get moving again and things to think about. A slip can trip me up and bring back my old way of thinking, or it can make me work even harder at using the program. The choice is mine. Today, I'll ask my higher power to help me face my problems honestly so I can get back on track and grow some more.
0: I think that really, it it sums it up pretty nicely. Yeah. Uh, you actually proposed this topic and so i need to ask you well what what do you consider a slip in al-anon
1: i thought about that question and and so many things but feeling anger resentment blame frustration despair worry for for me i think the biggest indicators that i've had a slip is that i lash out i react um i lose my serenity um and uh, the reason I brought this topic up is, uh, you know, self servingly because I had one <laughs> again this last week. Uh-huh. Uh, well, yeah, we'll come, <laughs> we'll
0: come back to that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's all about me, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. For me, the the concept of slip or relapse in Alanon is is really fuzzy. I I can identify some times in my life that were very clearly, you know, Alanon relapse or Alanon slip. And then there, there are a whole bunch of things that it's kind of like, well, what was that? And, and, and the things that you mentioned to me, I mean, depending, I guess it would depend on the magnitude, right? And maybe it depends on how I act. I think that's the key. I think it's, it's not how do I feel, but it's, it's how I act out of those feelings that has changed. And to some extent, I don't have the feelings of anger and resentment as much either. But, but if I feel angry, and I go ahead and and act out of not anger, don't know exactly how to put that otherwise, then then it's probably not a slip. But like I said, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, I got a couple of stories uh, that you know people who've been listening to the podcast have, have heard before, but that I consider to be pretty major slips on my part. And then there are the the tenth step moments. Which, is that a slip or not? I know when I was learning about alcoholism, I was learning about relapse and alcoholism. They presented the concept that the relapse begins long before the alcoholic actually picks up a drink. Yeah. That it happens in attitudes and behavior. And if that's not what what NAA they term a slip... They don't. It's not a slip for them till they pick up the drink, but it's sort of the the pre slip, if you will, mm-hmm. and and I think we get that a lot, yeah. <laughs> um, and and we just don't have the actual drink to to measure by. We have to we have to figure out on a, on a different basis, I guess.
1: Yeah, one of my um, sponsees is dual program, and we met yesterday, and I. I you know, again, self servingly brought up the topic. Hey. And, <laughs> and uh, he exactly described it as you just did that uh, a relapse in AA, you know, is preceded by growing resentments. It's just a matter of time. There's a good reading I found. Surprisingly, this was not in the index, it was referenced within a blog that I looked up on Al Anon uh, slips in One Day at a Time. I had to look for it, and it's uh, it's brief. I'll just read the beginning of it. It's page three thirty seven, December second. It says, "When we're at a meeting, the Alanon ideas seem so clear to us that we never doubt we can apply them to our daily living. But alas, the old thinking patterns take over, and we have what corresponds in AA to a quote slip or relapse. This is no reason to be discouraged." If I look back on my pre-Alanon attitude, I can see how much I've learned, how much of it I do remember to use in dealing with my everyday problems. Perfect mastery is too much for me to expect of myself. I will be patient. You were talking and I was thinking, you know, about me when I feel I've had a slip is when I act out. Yeah, uh, I, I may feel anger, and anger's fine. Anger's a feeling. It's perfectly acceptable. I think everyone, almost, uh, I, don't, I can't imagine anyone has not had a feeling of anger at some point, some more than others. But um, acting out with angry words directed at someone, for me, that is a slip.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Eric, your friend Bruce sent us a, a nice uh, share that actually works pretty well, I think, at this point.
1: Sure, yeah, it does. He says, uh, hi, Eric slips. I first heard the term in the open AA meetings. It was always uh, presented with mixed emotion an honest recounting of how the alcoholic either stayed sober or went out and had a drink. Sometimes I heard it with remorse in the voice, sometimes sadness and sometimes to my surprise with joy and laughter. And on that note, I was confused. How could someone mess up their life again and be joyful about it? Big question. Not much answer there for me. These guys som- sometimes almost wore the, quote, slip as a badge of courage, a bottom, recognizing how precarious sobriety is, was, is, and being grateful for the opportunity to come back to where they knew there was a better way of life for them. So it was for me, too, in Alanon When I came in, I really didn't truly believe I had a problem. What I did know was I was doing the same dance over and over and not getting anywhere. I was repeating the same errors in judgment, the same poor choices in relationships, the same behaviors with co-workers and with supervisors, and I was getting exactly the same results, which I did not want or like very much. I came, I came to, and I came to believe, which after a while started me thinking about my behaviors, At first, I couldn't seem to let myself off the hook of reacting to someone else's behavior. But over time, with the program in my pocket and a few 24 hours onto my belt, it seemed like I was better able to let things go, things that weren't important today to me. They might be important to you, but the wisdom of the rooms and the program have given me the gift of understanding and the ability to not get sucked into your drama anymore. Most times. And this is where the slips come back around. I'm not perfectly there yet. I don't do it 100% of the the time. Sometimes my buttons get pushed. It's okay. I know I can restart the day over. Sometimes it only takes a few minutes for me to catch myself. Sometimes it takes longer. The 10-step inventory can sometimes tell me about how my reactions have played out during the day. It seems like the longer I come around Alanon, the more work I put into this program, the more grateful I am, and the better I behave. I, quote, slip less, and sometimes I, quote, slip more softly. And sometimes it hurts us a lot still, and sometimes it's just a catch of myself to not beat myself up too much. So that's something about slips, and I hope it's helpful. Bruce.
0: And thanks, thanks, Bruce, because when you were talking about sometimes, to my surprise, with joy and laughter... I thought about the way that I do in meetings and and I think I think other people do in meetings too that when I'm telling on myself when somebody else is telling on themselves we often do it with laughter with the the notion that if we can't laugh at ourselves you know who can we laugh at I mean we shouldn't be laughing at other people I suppose but but it's a it's a laughter of recognition and as he says it's a recognition that sometimes relapse is part of the process. Sometimes we have to go back out. We have to slip in order to recognize a character defect, a problem that we still have that that maybe we weren't recognizing before, and it gives us then an opportunity to move forward and to to deal with that. What's your experience, Eric?
1: Well, uh, you know, I've had a lot of experience with my alcoholic having relapses. I mean, it was she was a terminal relapser. She believed that relapse was part of their program's recovery. And I've come to learn that people in AA, that's absolutely false thinking. That's um, setting themselves up for a relapse. A relapse in AA is, you know, you start all over. It doesn't matter if you've had two months or 20 years. You start at day one. You had a drink. You start over counting days at day one. For us, it's it's like you say, and it's a little more subtle. I looked up in uh, the dictionary, as I typically do with a subject, uh, slip. Here's what it says. The verb to slip is accidentally slide or move out of position from someone's grasp. Pass or change to a lower, worse, or different condition. Decline, deteriorate, degenerate, worsen. Mm. A slip as a noun is a false step, a misstep, a slide, a skid. Uh, a fall to her lower level or standard, a mistake, error, blunder, gaffe, or a woman's loose-fitting undergarment. There you go. You're supposed to, you're supposed to laugh there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I not talking I about then, that one. <laughs> but then I looked up relapse. It's much more specific. It says, verb, of someone suffering from a disease. Deteriorate, degenerate, take a turn for the worst. Revert, lapse, regress, retrogress, deterioration. And it says Scrabble points nine for relapse. (laughs) Which dictionary (laughs) is that? I don't know. But it didn't give me Scrabble points for slip. But, you know, I then looked up one thing further, and I went to where I used to go before program, which was not slip. It was free fall. It was absolute free fall. I would go up the steps and have a slip and go all the way down to the bottom. I was stuck in a one, two, three dance. And so I looked up free fall and it says a decline, especially sudden or rapid decline, as in value or prestige appears to be endless or bottomless. That is the way I used to slip Uh, in the beginning. You know, everything turned to shit again. And I was back at the beginning and, you know, lost all my tools, dropped them in the gutter, and had to start over. It's not until many, many 24 hours later that I can immediately recognize that I've made a mistake, uh, that I was wrong, that I reacted or lashed out, and I can use a 10 step to make amends and quickly move forward. This is a good one. It says free fall as a noun, an extremely rapid and unhindered descent, mm. an uncontrolled decline. And when I was in the beginning, you know, I would just rapidly decline. And I'll give you an example of that later when you, you're asking about a big one versus a little one.
0: Maybe this is the time for me to throw in my first example because I, I did have that that rapid, unhindered decline. This happened, I was maybe nine months, ten months into the program. My wife had been sober for some period of time. I thought it was longer than it was, and I discovered that she had relapsed and I just went over the edge and Mm -hmm. and went into that that free fall and really just went straight back to, you're going back to that treatment center right now and you're going to fix this thing and then we're going to be good again. And that was step one. And step two was becoming totally obsessed and not thinking clearly and I, I think I related this story a few weeks ago. I encountered a person in a coffee shop who I thought was my wife's doctor, and so I stopped and I said, "By the way, my wife is back in treatment." And the person looked at me and said, "I don't know who you think I am." <laughs> Oops! <laughs> Turned out it was a parent of one of the one of my kids' friends at school. Oops! Yeah, that's a different type of slip. Yeah, and you know, and it was just that I was so, so wrapped up in the turmoil and right. the fear and that I really wasn't thinking straight. And that was that was at rapid decline, you know?
1: Yeah, that's a nutshell for me. I don't think straight when I have a slip.
0: And and the difference between before Al Anon and after Al Anon is I came out of it a lot more quickly than it had taken me to, you know, come out of where I was when before I started in the program, of course. I wanna read an email that we got from Pat. I wanna thank all the listeners who responded, I sent out a, an email yesterday to several people who've been participating in the program in one way or another over the last year or two, and said, hey, I know this is really last minute, but what is a slip? And could you maybe talk a little bit about your concept of slip and maybe one that you've had? And several people responded, and I'm so grateful to, to them for picking it up at that very, very short notice. So Pat writes, Hi, this is Pat from the West Coast, a grateful member of Al-Anon. It is an interesting question. What is an Al-Anon slip? For me, it is when I thought I had mastered a new skill, achieved a new attitude, or given up a character defect for good, and then find myself having slipped back into old ways of reacting or thinking. There are a couple of situations when I'm more likely to have an Al-Anon slip. When the father of my kids was drinking at his worst, one of my kids was still home and in high school. My son and I were more like co-combatants in our home rather than mother and child. We had each other's backs. But I really wasn't a good parent. I wasn't in al and had the arrogance to think I could figure out parenting without taking advantage of any parenting classes. So I didn't set boundaries. I was afraid I would lose his love if I did. Consequently, he didn't finish high school and ended up using marijuana to the point where he has said to me that he is addicted to it. It is still really hard to think about how much I let him down. I manage okay most of the time. I don't think about it all the time, and I do a pretty good job of living in the present. But when I'm around other people and hear them talking about their successful children, I keep a smile on my face and am truly happy for them. But inside, I slide down a very steep, slippery slope, comparing their kids' lives with my sons. It is hard not to tear up because I still blame myself. For this particular slip, I need to circle back to discoveries and lessons learned over my years in the program. I need to remind myself that I did the best I could at the time, that I have made amends to my son as best I can and have a great relationship with him. I need to remind myself of all the good things that I have given him and the wonderful things I love about him, that I have been able to give him the benefit of a mother who is in recovery. I have only recently recognized that the three C's that didn't cause it, can't control it, can't cure it, that the three C's apply to my son's situation. Another slip I have made many times is lashing out at someone when they say something that I perceive as being critical. Usually I am primed by at least one of the halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired factors. Then I find myself angry, defending myself, and taking their inventory. When I was new to the program, this could easily spiral into full-on verbal fights. There are the tools I use in the moment, like pause, how important is it, wait, which stands for what am I thinking, and think is what I'm about to say, thoughtful, honest, intelligent, necessary, and kind. But I think the problem with slips is that they create baggage that drags me down and I feel bad about myself after the situation has resolved. It's really easy to beat myself up when I feel like I've made a major slip. A lot of the tools help me recover from slips. Depending on the situation, I can use step 10 to quickly identify what part of the situation is mine to own, and to make amends if appropriate. That's the first step in giving myself a clean slate to move forward. I need to remember that I am human and my realistic goal is progress, not perfection. I need to be as gentle with myself at this time as I was with my fourth step, allowing myself to make mistakes and learn from them. Sometimes I need to speak with my sponsor or turn my resulting feelings of inadequacy over to my higher power, remembering the unconditional love he has for me. On occasion, I am being too hard on myself and they are able to help put things in perspective. Miraculously, this conflict-avoiding, insecure people-pleaser actually sees slips as uncomfortable but beneficial opportunities to learn. As my time in the program has increased, I find that I am able to recognize my slips, use my program tools to right my boat as well as right any wrong I have done to someone else and move on more quickly and the slips are fewer and farther apart. Thanks, Spencer, for giving me this opportunity to share. So that's from Pat, and she's got a lot in there. Yeah. What'd you pick up on? A lot of the similar
1: feelings. I mean, I went and looked at because there's so, there you know, relatively little on this in our daily readers, for instance, and even in how al works. But there's a lot of discussion on different blog sites, al family group blog sites. I'd say the overwhelming consensus is a slip back to negative thinking. So whatever that is for you, I revert to old negative destructive thinking and behavior. You know, my negative behavior was lashing out was it mm-hmm. was acting out in anger and not being able to control my emotions it never ended well <laughs> you know it uh usually was someone had pushed my buttons to the point where i blew you know i exploded and lost lost every shred of serenity i had
2: mm-hmm.
1: it used to take me a long time to recover from that uh depending on who it was uh usually with my qualifier making prompt amends i didn't have that tool at the time admitting we were wrong, uh, doing an inventory, making quickly, making amends, step 10. So it would just, you know, fester for weeks and uh, weeks, and everyone felt bad. Today, I, I, I have tools. We're not perfect. You know, someone said to me, you know, you know we're, we're human, and we don't, we're going to make mistakes. And uh, what we do when we make a mistake is what's important now. Now that we have programming and tools, you said you said something during that share that she wrote that was the slogan or the the saying "Wait," which I'd never heard it defined that way. What am I thinking? I've always uh, heard it as "Why am I talking?"
0: <laughs> yeah, that works too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: which in this case for a slip is the is the appropriate one for me to use. I, I I don't I should not be talking, okay? Because I feel myself being frustrated and angry, and if I say something now. It's going to be hurtful. And that's exactly what happened last week with my daughter. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about two instances. One I've shared before, I think, with you on another pro- uh, podcast. But it absolutely applies here. And it was uh, very early on in program, six years, maybe six and a half years ago. Still married, living at you know my home that I'd built for my family. Two young daughters, my wife drinking every day, every night. Frustration and resentment were building in me, you know, bubbling and, and rising to the surface, to which inevitably was going to explode, and it did. So the circumstances were that her drinking had created an absolute mess in our lives. Uh, older daughter was behaving very badly and anxious and depressed. And cutting, we had a lot of, lot of dysfunction. You know, I blamed her for all of it. And if only she'd stop all this would get better. You know, I had to put my daughter into a thirty day program for depression, uh, inpatient, and you know, I spoke to the therapist and asked them if, if if my daughter was certain that her mom wasn't drinking, would she want to come home? She didn't want to come home. I was out of out of my mind. In frustration, in despair, hopelessness. And so the instance with that slip, uh, which I'd fall, I I'd absolutely categorize more as a free fall. Was uh, one afternoon I came, uh, evening I came home from work, and she'd been drinking, and she started uh, berating me for leaving a sock on the floor in the bedroom. <sighs> I breathed myself into a coma almost before I just detached myself, at least to go downstairs into our music room and try to just relax, stay calm. You know, how dare she point out a sock on the floor when her life was complete chaos, mayhem, blood and guts. And she came and she's a provoker. Her disease is a provoker, you know, like my older brother tweaking my ear for hours on end until he explodes in laughter and I explode in rage when I was 10 She follows me down and continues to provoke me. You know, uh, you're leaving a sock on the floor, you slob, and and I exploded. I let her have it, both guns blazing, both barrels. How dare you? You know, your side of the street is covered in blood, vomit, guts, and mayhem and disaster and trauma. And, you know, I've got a leaf on my side of the street. I mean, how dare you have have the nerve, have the gall, and I'm not saying it in this tone of voice, <laughs> several, several, several decibels higher. With that, she turned and walked in and slammed the door. So that conversation was over. So that was a full fledged, uh, free fall, uh, yeah. lapse and uh slip. So what's an interesting part of that story. I did it. I did have a sponsor almost from the beginning and I called him and described that story. And, and, uh, I said, you know, didn't she deserve that, man? I feel so much better. It got that off my chest what do you think? You Really? You know, she deserved it, right? Mm. A long pause. And I said, well, what do you, what do you think? And he said, I think you should pick up your leaf. I think you should go pick up your sock.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, sponsor. son of a, you <laughs> son of a bitch. So, you know, that was before program. I lashed out, you know, very angrily, treated fire with napalm, mm-hmm. thinking I could put it out. <laughs> I just made a bigger fire. Um, So cutting to last week, now having six and a half more years under my belt, and this is where I got to say my higher power has my sense of humor, because this is impossibly coincidental. It's just, it's not coincidence. took my two girls, which are back living with me. By the way, now, since they've been back living with me for the last three weeks, I start off every meeting with, hi, my name's Eric. I live with two teenage girls. everybody understands I'm, yeah. there must be a separate 12-step program for that you know
0: where you're <clears throat> coming from
1: oh yeah so last weekend the schools here are closed and so i took my girls 14 and 19 to up to vermont we'd had sunday to ski and monday to ski very windy and cold but they rallied and we had a really awesome couple of days my 19 year old only got her license about mm, six or eight weeks ago so on the way back from uh, the mountain to where we had a house, uh, there was a windy mountain road we had to go up and over, and she wanted to drive. And I said, no, 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 it's too slippery. There's still snow on the roads. We'd had about twelve inches, 10 or 12 inches of snow on Monday. So driving back on Monday afternoon, I said no. And coming down the hill, uh, right before we hit the main road, a sheriff pulls out and turns his lights on, pulls me over. And I couldn't imagine why. And uh, he said, uh, You were doing 43 and 25. I said, Oh, gotta be kidding. So he said, you know, everybody's got their seatbelts on. You guys are from Connecticut. I thought for sure he'd say, Okay, just slow it down. He gave me a ticket.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so 43 and 25, yeah.
1: Yeah, you gotta get a ticket, I guess. Uh, but it just didn't seem like I was going anywhere near that fast. But I guess it is what it is. The sign just changed. Yeah. So. Two days later, my daughter—I signed her up for rock climbing, indoor rock climbing—and because uh, she's going to Outward Bound in a few weeks in Colorado, she went to a class on Wednesday night nearby, and uh, took the car and proceeded to get lost and almost run out of gas and all those things that teenagers do. <laughs> That's my other program is going to address. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I figured well, she'll probably be home about nine nine thirty, so I was. Put on headphones. I was watching a show. I think I dozed off for a while. I get a call at about uh, ten minutes to ten, and I hear the voice. Dad. Like, uh oh, not a good voice. What uh, she said. Um, I got pulled over for speeding. I said, oh, <laughs> you kidding me? oh boy. Uh, okay, well. And she's, where's the registration? I said, well, you saw me pull it out of the glove compartment two days ago. It's right where, <laughs> right where it is. And the officer then takes the phone. And he says, this is the father? I said, yes. He goes, let me just tell you something. She was speeding. So, you know, 45 and a 25. I'll tell you what. This happened to me when I was about her age. And the officer gave me a warning. I hope you do the right thing, correct their behavior and teach her. But I'm going to let her go. So he let her go. It's like, oh, that's fantastic. I get up anyway and go and check. And now I find my 14-year-old is not in the house. Now I start to get really panicked. The door's open i call her phone and she's with her sister they're both in the car so my daughter had come home my younger had snuck out and they were driving and not only were they driving they were about 20 miles away at 10, 10 15 at night so i said get your butts home when they came in i was angry i tried to use my tools i said i'm not gonna not gonna talk about this tonight and they, my younger insisted on getting her alibi out because they clearly been working on it for the last 20 minutes. I said, no, I don't want to talk about this tonight. Well, she started blurting out the alibi. I thought she told you. She thought I told you. And I said, BS, go to your room. So I hear them downstairs watching TV and laughing. I unplugged the Wi-Fi. <laughs> and I said, go to your room. I texted her. She came up. She tried to come back in. said, turn it on. I can't go to sleep without music. And I lost it buttons got one too many pushed and I lashed out you know I said give me your phone give me a computer in a loud tone of voice I might have thrown an explicative in there even that for me was a, a slip I didn't feel good about it and she started kicking stuff and it just you know didn't feel good to anyone the next day I again co-opted my home group meeting and shared on that <laughs> Quickly, I went back after that meeting at noon. and 1 o'clock, I sat, instead of going the other direction, which was punishment, take away privileges, take away phones, I sat down after vetting through my sponsor and used my toolkit to make amends And on not only, well, I started by saying, let us I want to talk to you about last night, what did you do wrong? How did it feel? And what are you going to change? Hmm. And I said, if you'd like to, I'll go first. And my older said, no, I want to go first. She absolutely admitted to her mistake. She made amends for it and said that won't happen again. I said, perfect. My younger said, it was wrong of me to try to talk to you when you said you didn't want to talk. It was wrong of me to leave the house without telling you. That'll never happen again. Perfect. I said, it was wrong of me to lash out at you. I feel bad about that. I did feel scared and I felt angry. And we should have talked the next day. I should have uh stuck to it and my younger daughter also said, You're right, and I should have too. I should have not talked to you until the next day I should have slept on it. My younger my fourteen year old said that. So there's hope. <laughs> With that long there's story. Hope.
0: Yeah, there's hope. Yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah. Progress, not perfection.
0: Yeah. And I've heard people put an S on the end of HALT. Yeah. Uh, hungry, angry, lonely, tired and and I think scared. Oh. Scared is a good one. <laughs> Scared for me is is a real trigger to lash out in anger yeah. um, or, or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I've got one more email here. This came in from Bonnie, um, and I think I sent that to you to read.
1: Uh, yes, from Bonnie. Hi, Spencer. Thank you for reaching out to me. I strongly believe that we in Al-Anon Recovery suffer similar slips. Quote, or relapses, as do those recovering from addiction. Relapse is often a part of the alcoholic's journey to lasting contented sobriety. I believe it is even more certain to be a part of the codependent enabler's journey to lasting freedom from crippling fear and the need to control. A slip for me is a return to panic or playing all possible scenarios in my head when a situation puts my program growth to the test. As I work my program, i found that my slips are less often and last for shorter periods of time. Because of the growth I have seen in myself and others in the Al-Anon program, I can more easily recognize a slip as it approaches or has even occurred. When my loved one's addiction seems to be winning in their life and I begin to panic or try to come up with helpful, quote, solutions, I'm reminded that I did not cause their addiction, I cannot control their addiction, and I cannot cure it. It is sobering for me to reaccept. accept the things I cannot change. I'm so grateful I've learned that when a slip occurs in my recovery, it does not mean I have to go back to my old sick way of dealing with it, dealing with life. It simply reminds me how far I've come by applying these 12 steps and that I can make amends to myself and move forward. Bonnie.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Bonnie. I'm picked up on a couple of things here. One is relapse is often part of an alcoholic's journey to lasting contented sobriety. I believe it is even more certain to be part of the codependent or enabler's journey you know i've i've heard i've heard this sort of comparison between uh, aa and overeaters anonymous that at least the alcoholic can totally abstain from alcohol whereas an overeater is presented with food all the time i mean you have to eat to survive so you can't not eat um, and and i'm not trying to say one's harder than the other or anything it's just this is also true of certainly true of me uh, as i sometimes say in meetings my drug of choice is other people and it's really hard to live life a life without other people in it so i'm presented with lots of opportunities to pick up i think i want to share another uh, relapse story of my own and this one this one's different than i think a lot of what we've been talking about i set this up i became close friends with another person actually a person in the program I started to rely on that person for a lot of my emotional needs in terms of you know talking about what happened during the day, bringing problems, sort of like an auxiliary sponsor, if you will. Eventually, I got really needy about it. I did. Um, looking back, I can see that now. It didn't seem obvious at the time, but it, it is now. And the other person said, I, know I, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm setting a boundary. I felt very hurt by that. This this played out over the space of, of several months. It wasn't as, as quick as I've made it sound, but it, it was a different kind of a slip. It was where I was going back to the behavior of effectively making somebody else my higher power. Not because they volunteered for it. Not because they wanted that. But because sort of in my sickness, I did that. Instead of placing myself in the care of a loving higher power, I I started to place my self-esteem, my serenity in the care of another person. And that doesn't work, because other people are not set up to do that. I can't do that for anybody, and, and I was expecting somebody else to do it for me. And that was a painful lesson, because basically I had to break off contact with that person totally. You know, I didn't want to, but that's that's what had to happen for both of us to get our serenity back. And it took me a while really to see clearly what had happened. So that was a different kind of a slip. And that to me was a serious relapse kind of a slip because it really was old behavior in a different way. It really was pre-recovery behavior, masquerading as recovery behavior. It's kind of dangerous, I think. So the tools that that we have talked about, that others have talked about here, for those small slips, and I think your story really exhibits this nicely, doing step 10, taking inventory, seeing where we were wrong, and promptly making amends for it, works really well for me for the small slips. For the ones where I end up beating myself up, as um, I think Pat talked about, Maybe not exactly those words, but beating myself up over uh, those are harder for me, and I have to go back to step three, step two, even that I have a higher power who can help restore me to sanity, and and step eleven with prayer and meditation, and 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 inventory. Actually, the whole the whole set of steps. I did this thing. I'm powerless over the fact that I did this thing because it already happened. Um, there is help in step two. I can ask for that help in step three. I have to figure out, you know, see what it was that I did, find the leaf on my side, or maybe it's a pile of garbage on my side of the street, admit that, and then start cleaning it up in the, in the subsequent steps. That, that I really can use those steps as a tool to help recover from a relapse. And the other tools of talking to people in the program, going to meetings, Asking for help. Big, really big. How about yourself? Yeah,
1: I mean, that's pretty much the tools that come to mind for me. In the notes you mentioned, how do you detect a slip is imminent. And, and the tool of awareness. I mean, we talked another episode about worry and how worry can cascade into panic and how things can turn and grow exponentially larger when they're not arrested. And in this case, the same for me applies. You know, if I feel anxious or angry about someone's behavior, and the incident last week is a perfect example. I set a boundary that I'm not going to talk about it tonight. But then I crossed my own boundary, and I did, and it resulted in a slip. I should have stuck to it, and I've learned from that, okay, when I don't want to speak about it. Just as with boundaries, you know, if we can't continue to talk in this tone of voice, we'll have to talk another time. That boundary has worked for me so well, and it's protected my serenity you know step 10 is the solution for me in almost all slips it's to you know review what i did take a personal inventory and make amends for it if i was wrong and when i have a slip it's inevitably i did something wrong otherwise i don't think i would qualify it as a slip or my thinking was reverted back to negative thinking i you know obsessed about something or worried i lost my serenity and for me that's a slip losing my serenity is a slip and the way I can correct that is to go go back and work my program use some tools go to a meeting call my sponsor do a reading and inevitably also when I don't keep up my program you know this medicine we take for our disease just like with AA is largely through our ears you know and it has a very short half life if I stay away from meetings stay away from reading, stay away from phone calls for very long I'm more inevitable. It's it's inevitable that you know I'm going to drop some tools and forget I had them, and they're going to get rusty, and I'll forget to use them. And that's premeditated slip. It's it's leading up to a slip. I did a couple of quick quick quote lookups, which is mistakes. Uh, some quotes about mistakes, and then some quotes about amends, and that's kind of what we're talking about. So this one is from George Bernard Shaw and says, "Success does not consist." In never making mistakes, but trying to never make the same one a second time. And another one from George Bernard Shaw. He obviously made a lot of mistakes. A life spent making mistakes is not only more honorable, but more useful than a life spent doing nothing. And uh, I like that one. You know, we're human. And the last one is from Donald Rumsfeld. It isn't making mistakes that's critical. It's correcting them and getting on with the principal task. Those were some quotes under mistakes. And then amends seems to be the one that, you know, our 10 step says we quickly and promptly make amends. And then just two here says, um, I don't regret things because I learn from mistakes. If needs be, I always make amends. And that's from someone named Mark Warner. And the second from someone named Dale Turner said is the highest form of self-respect to admit our errors and mistakes and make amends for them. To make a mistake is only an error in judgment. But to adhere to it when when it is discovered shows infirmity of character. So we have an opportunity with these tools to move on and you know not add a slip to an eight-step, you know, full-blown amends list by quickly making amends for when we were
0: wrong. Yeah, and then, and I think I want to add to that some of the things that we've already mentioned about you know, detecting slips. Um, when I start to feel squirrely or H A L T Sometimes, maybe I need need to remove myself from a situation. You know, you talked about setting a boundary with your daughters about not speaking about it, and then breaking that boundary. And yeah. like when i when I go visit my parents, and I'm, I'm not happy about um, my mother's health, and I'm not going to change my mother's health. And most of the time, I can accept that she, you know, she is who she is now, and I can enjoy the time with her but sometimes i just have to take myself away and i can do that in a loving gentle way now i can say you know what i'm going to go for a walk um, i i need some exercise or i can remove myself up to the guest room and quote take a nap without saying i can't take this anymore i have to i have to get out of here which is maybe what i'm feeling inside and so those those tools of just sort of You know, as you say, awareness, awareness of where I am, awareness of what, how I might react if I stay in a situation, if I continue with a conversation, allows me to either remove myself or to sort of do a quick reset, take that that cleansing breath, take that pause, think for a moment about what's a good way to respond. I had a a situation at work, this is a really small one, where somebody sent an email that I felt was defeatist and not helpful. I wanted to, uh, I started typing this email that says, just talking about how things aren't going to work is not helping. And I thought that is not going to be a helpful email. That is not going to get the kind of response that I'd like to get. And so I took a pause. I thought about what I wanted to say. I rephrased what I wanted to say as to, you know, something like let's, focus on what we can do here. And then I had a couple of, of my coworkers read it to make sure that I wasn't coming across with that negative accusatory tone that I had started with. And so there I was, I felt I used the tools that I've learned here to not just react, not just lash out, but to think about what was, what would be a better way what would be a positive way, a helpful way to respond that would get us both all to a better a better place of solution rather than one of problem? I want to actually, I think, close this section of the podcast with a long voicemail that Carrie left where she talks about a number of different kinds of slips and where they come from and, and what she's been able to do to get through them.
2: Hi, this is Carrie from Texas. I haven't called in a while. Hope hope uh, you and all the listeners are well. On the topic of slips or slip-ups, when I started going to Al-Anon now, probably about two and a half years ago, I was going an average of four days a week. Every time I was shaking like a leaf for about four months, and yeah, I cried myself a river <laughs> in those four months. And then I started to feel better, and I started to notice I was laughing more and even making jokes, and then I started to notice that something would happen, like maybe my husband would say something to me, and that in the past, when it would really hurt my feelings, but now, I'd have a little perspective, a little space, and I'd... Like, see that whatever he was saying, it really was kind of off base. It wasn't about me. It wasn't mine. And then, like, a few minutes later, I'd be like, you know, whoa. In the past, that would have really freaked me out or kind of taken me a day to recover. But, you know, that time I would handle it really calmly and, like, I'm okay. And then, kind of like, wait a minute, I'm okay. So it was kind of like I started to feel my groove. And again, that was a few months after being in Al-Anon, you know, and starting to notice like, oh, I'm in meetings and I'm not shaking anymore and I'm not crying every time I open my mouth to share. (laughs) And I kind of felt like I was rediscovering myself. And it was nice, like, I don't know, maybe like opening the windows after a really long winter, like years long (laughs) so then I noticed I would I would slip I would say something really crappy really like unclean or sideways like something maybe that had been bothering me for a while and I hadn't found a way to express it and then I would just say something like muttering something as I was walking out of the room and that really baffled me like wait a minute, I thought I was, you know, kind of like looking behind me, like, wait a minute, I was just doing better, and now I just did that, like, like, yuck, and I'd feel sad and even scared about it, like, wait a minute, I've, I thought I was making some headway, and, but I just really said that really dumb thing, like, what does that mean, and then I would just be like, I don't know, I'm going to a meeting, (laughs) you know, like, I can't figure it out and it's, yeah really I just felt really baffled and then also sad and scared you know what is an Al-Anon slip to me an Al-Anon slip is when I get my feelings hurt and then proceed to do my old behaviors and obsess about it um, not even knowingly um, and I, I also isolate I numb out with TV or staying busy so it's like when my alienonisms are winning and so yeah when my alienonisms are winning it's as if i'm like turned inside out like i'm looking so desperately to the outside world to everybody outside of me sometimes like the sickest people i can find to approve of me and to you know Look me in the face and like me, put their hands on my shoulder and tell me, like, you are doing a great job, you know, to approve of me. And big shocker, um, that doesn't really happen. So then, you know, I'm like crushed. So that, that's a common, I feel like, slip for me. Another form for me is like I usually see it in retrospect, but it's when I don't do my, basic self-care, which the basic level is quality and consistent, really good sleep and food. And then I get overtired and grumpy and, excuse me, I think that self-care will be a lifelong learning process for me because it's just, it's really hard. Other slips for me, yeah, it just feels like backtracking. Like I, I start to feel like I did before Al-Anon. And I think I said I isolate and I obsess about situations or people that I can't control. I can also obsess about someone's health, their choices, their disasters, their possible future. So another one, too, is when I uh, blame others for my own discontent and, you know, see myself without any control in a situation. So victimization uh slip for me, you know, could be returning to enabling. I think unfortunately a big one for me is yeah it's a hard topic, isn't it? <sighs> um, is allowing other people's moods to alter, to mess with my serenity. That is a big one. Trying to control outcomes or behaviors in others and and uh, thinking that I know best. And then, kind of back to what I was saying before about how slip ups were really baffling to me and even scaring me, I think that that, like, underlying speaks to my hypervigilance, my serious fear of failure, you know, perfectionism, and me desperately working so hard to create structure, like, even in my Al Anon program, like, okay, I'm getting better. Look at this. Like, here's proof. You know, like that would have, you know, before that would have floored me, but look, I'm okay. So then here comes a slip and my little Al-Anon, little structure that I've created, you know, wavers. And it really, it really made me uncomfortable the first few times it was happening. You know, I've had a lot of um, slip-ups. Yeah, it can feel daily for sure. Um, it can be little you know, again, like lack of self-care and then it can go to me, you know, offering my opinion or even worse, offering my help when it's not, you know, requested or wanted Um, and that can be messy and some, you know, some days it just feels like all I have to do (laughs) is like, you know, pick up the phone or go outside for an opportunity for a slip-up. You know, how has my program helped me to recover um, and to to learn from my slips, I would say Alanon. You know, I've I've heard in there enough times to know that slip up slip ups do happen, and that we all do it. I remember um, the first time I heard someone say, kind of laughingly, when we leave our program at the door, you know, of our home or who knows, your office as well, I guess, you know. Yeah, when I first heard that in a meeting, I remember it was one of those moments where I felt so exposed, like, how does that stranger sitting across the room know that I do that? (laughs) And so, yeah, it happens. And to me, that means, the way that I interpret that is that our family, our friends, our loved ones, are our greatest gurus. You know, they are our mirrors, our teachers. You know, and I often say that my husband gives me the opportunity to practice all of my tools. (laughs) Honestly, I love him for that. That's a big job for him, you know, even though he may not know that he has that job. For me, slips are supposed to happen. We slip, we fall, we get back up, we try again. You know, that's what I teach my children, that The only failure, really, is not trying. And if you put yourself out there and it doesn't work out the way you hoped it would, it's fine. You know, no big deal. It's just, you know, then applying that to myself. (laughs) We, We hear it a lot in the program. Progress, not perfection. That really has come to mean something different than when I first heard it. Like, when I first heard it, I'm like, yep, that sounds really good. And now I really get it. Like, it's almost like that's like an instruction for me, almost like, like talking directly to me, you know, like, like, listen up, you know, this is about progress. It is not about perfection. Nobody here is going for that, you know, wants that, like, you know, it's, that's not the goal. So don't even do it, which sounds a little harsh. Yeah, that's just how how it means, how I interpret it now. And, you know, slip-ups are the best way um, for me to get into the practice of being gentle with myself. You know, what would I say to a friend? So for me, in my progress in Al-Anon, what I've really come to learn about slips or slip-ups are that they're a part of the whole picture, that we are human, we're designed to slip-up, and that... This program is designed to support that, to support us looking up. That's why there are meetings, literature, and, you know, now with, you know, the wonderful technology that our generation has, you know, um, we have podcasts like this one. (laughs) And the tools and the support are there for us, and we just have to choose, you know, daily, hourly every minute some days, you know, to put ourselves out there to fall um, and to feel the hurt and to get back up and get back to a meeting. I've learned that for me personally, when I'm connected to myself, that's when I do best. And Al-Anon, you know, this program has taught me ways of doing that in such a gentle and sweet way. And for me, I have a much better chance of staying course on my day, you know, so that maybe my slips aren't so big. If I start my day with meditating, which to me, meditation for me is, I define that as just time for me to connect with myself and my higher power. And I have this little uh, seven-minute guide to meditation that I listen to. Some days I also read from hope for today or courage to change before I get out of bed, you know, before my feet even hit the ground, you know, and that only takes a few minutes, but it's amazing how much it can really, really, really change the course of my day. And I've learned that as messy as slip ups can be, I really am picking myself back up faster than my pre-Alanon days. And I was thinking it's like maybe slip-ups are kind of like the bumpers if you've ever been, you know, driving those go-karts. It's like I slip or I, I bump up on the side, and it's like, oops, okay, here I am. You know, let me stay conscious, connect to myself, focused on where I'm going. I really like it. It feels like the program has supported me through my, like, new relationship my new consciousness around slip-ups because it's like in the beginning I was like, <gasps> you know, like a little kid like, what is that scary thing? Why did I slip up again? Wait a minute, I thought everything was okay, you know and it's like the program is kind of like my higher power just there, patient like it's okay, just, you know keep coming back to meetings just keep reading, you know and, and now I I have a neutral response to slip-ups it's like like yeah i did it again yep there i did it again just like everybody does and it's okay i see what i can do differently next time and you know it's a reminder and it's okay so yeah i'm really really grateful i'm so grateful for this episode there's a reading from hope for today on page 51 it's february 20th and here it is it slips with a question mark I experience them most when I'm caught off guard by someone with whom I have a complicated history such as my dad for example no matter what adult thoughts or feelings I'm having beforehand I almost always revert to acting like a little girl when my dad and I interact these are peculiar encounters as if the person I was many years ago suddenly inhabits my mind and body. It takes me several hours, sometimes days, to come back to my adult self. Inevitably, when I recall my behavior, I feel as if I've lost my program. Thanks to Alanon particularly, Progress Not Perfection and Easy Does It, I'm getting much better at accepting my slips. I strive to give myself credit for how far I've come and to learn something from my mistakes. I remind myself that I have all the time I need to improve. Recovery is not a contest. I once shared at a meeting how I felt when I discovered my husband was having an affair. I told how I had been in so much pain that I wanted only to die and cried for hours, even days at a time. A fairly new member told me after the meeting that she couldn't imagine I had ever been in such a spot. Since she had known me, I always sounded so happy and serene. I thought about her words for a moment and I realized that she was right. I had become much happier and had gained much from working my program. Although only a few months separated our entry into Al-Anon, I needed this woman's eyes to help me see my growth. Thought for the day. If I can't see my growth, perhaps the perspective of a fellow member will give me a better view. And then the quote is from How Al-Anon Works for Families and Friends of Alcoholics, page 323, and it's Progress, Not Perfection, encourages me to give myself credit. And I really like this so much. It reminds me of How I used to feel, I would say maybe my mid twenties. I would go back to my mom's house and, you know, just want to hang out there and, you know, kind of maybe get recharged and, you know, maybe she'd make dinner for me or something like that. And, you know, sure enough, I would walk in and she would yell at me because my walking in startled her and her nerves were, you know, the whole thing, you know, just, so just my walking in was, awful for her i remember sitting on the couch and just crying like i feel like i'm nine years old and i have nothing you know no tools to deal with this and it feels awful you know and as hard as i would try you know walking to her house i remember because i would take the train and um yeah so and remembering like all right i got this i can do this you know and within minutes i was on her couch crying And then fast forward, oh, my gosh, you guys get this. So I went on vacation with my mother like two weeks ago. And it was my idea. And honestly, we booked a trip. And the whole time I was thinking, I was like, thanks a lot, Al-Anon. You know, like, what are you getting me into? Because I hadn't seen my mom in three years. I just couldn't bear, I didn't feel strong enough to be in her presence, it just I did not feel strong enough and I don't know it wasn't like a, it just kind of happened you know, and, and but leading up to it I was so nervous and I was like really kind of mad at Al-Anon, like what did you get me into and it was really a wonderful trip, it was really really wonderful I, it's like I had different glasses on, I had such compassion for her, she she was her she was herself and you know, there was only one time that I kind of lost my bearings a little bit. Yeah, so there was like one little blip, like one little thing that happened on the trip that I was like, eh, I could have, you know, not said anything in that moment. But, you know, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, setting boundaries, which is really new for in our relationship. Overall, um, it was incredible. I was really, really, really did not know what to expect like this al-anon is working you know the fact that again like i hadn't seen her in three years like i was just like cannot do it and then that i made that i suggested it are you kidding me and then i did it and i made it through yeah it's amazing um so that reading really reminds me of that and then the other part of the reading that i heard is that you know, sometimes you know, seeing ourselves through someone else's eyes—that's a really big one for me. The past maybe five to seven years, because it—it's been—it's been some hard years, and I got myself to you know, kind of a hard place. You know, a lot of isolation and not exactly know what I'm doing, and you know, tired. You know, not self-care and all that. But then every once in a while, you know, someone would say like, "Oh, you light up a room." It's like what? I feel like I'm like a green troll. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like, like I live under the bridge or something, you know, like, I don't feel that. And so I really kind of had to, or chose to lean into that a little bit. Like, okay, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe this person that I really care about, you know, maybe I need to believe them a little more than, you know, myself right now. Because I really do. I have experience that, you know, my higher power speaks through people. Again, I'm really grateful for the topic so much, and I look forward to listening to um, it in completion. Thank you, Spencer, and thank you, everybody who contributes and um, everybody who listens. Really, this year for me is about connection and community, and we live in a funny world where we connect through a podcast (laughs) Uh, it's new it's me i'm old we didn't grow up with that but um i really love it and i'm really really grateful thank you so much take care bye
0: after a short break we will continue with our lives in recovery where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings what did you pick for our first song
1: you know i did some research on lyrics like um uh, sliding backwards um making mistakes, and I found a lot, you know, a lot of uh, songs talk to that, not so much directly uh, as our program, usually involving a relationship or something, instead of making an error in judgment or or reacting, but then the most obvious hit me right away, and it's Paul Simon, Slip Sliding Away. When I look through it again this morning, boy, it nails it pretty good here. I mean, the first section is about codependence, the next regret, the third amends, and the fourth... Living amends, and in that order, he wore his passion for his woman like a thorny crown. He said, "Dolores, I live in fear. My love for you is so overpowering. I'm afraid that I will disappear." Talk about a codependent phrase. Yeah. And the second, yeah, she said, "A good day ain't got no rain." Said, "A bad days when I lie in bed and think of things that might have been." Regret. But another paragraph here. Uh, Stanza says, "And I know a father who had a son. He longed to tell him." all the reasons for the things he'd done. He wanted to make amends. Mm. And yet what he did was a living amends. He came a long way just to explain. He kissed his boy as he lay sleeping, They turned around and headed home again.
0: In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. How about you, Eric?
1: I did a Saturday morning meeting a week ago. That was a good meeting. I don't recall the topic. I don't have my little book where I take notes. Then we went up to Vermont to do some skiing with my daughters. It was a great break. Came back and had my Thursday home group, which, again, I co-opted to uh, talk about my uh, parenting uh conundrum with my slip, and I don't, I don't know what the topic was, because I chose it to be my own, <laughs> but everyone understood completely, and uh, was very supportive in my approach, and Got some very nice compliments. You know, your children are so lucky to have a father like you. Felt really good to hear that, you know, because I was unsure about which way to go here. The old Eric, uh, the old parent without tools would have punished and and taken away privileges. And I know that that doesn't work. It has never worked. You know, I have a website that sends me emails about empowering parents. And they generally and uniformly agree that punishment does not effectively change the behavior. So I chose a different route, and it seemed to turn out very well. I did adjust some of the boundaries of, uh, of use of the car after certain hours of the evening. You know, I told my daughters I loved them, and we hugged each other after that talk. I mean, what a difference, you know, really, the really. way it used to be. What a difference. Everybody, you know, went about their day and, and grew somehow from that experience. Saturday was a, a huge anniversary meeting up in Westport, Connecticut. A group that's been around for 37 years. It must have been 90 people. They have raffles, and I put in five bucks and got three tickets and actually won a little bracelet for my daughter. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> um, that was a really great three speakers, an adult team, an AA speaker, an al two-and-a-half-hour anniversary meeting. Wow. Yeah. And then I uh, met with a sponsee yesterday afternoon who again vetted my topic of slips through from his perspective, which I shared about. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I uh, went to my men's group, which turned out to only be he and, he and I, but we just talked further. And now I'm here with you. And I'm headed from here to my 12 and 12 meeting yeah. this morning.
0: Yeah. You know, and I don't know if they've had any formal program time, but it's amazing the way that, that they use those tools even if they had never. You know, sort of really been introduced to them formally,
1: yeah, the family situation is bound to improve as we apply these Alanon ideas and you, you know practicing them in all my affairs, whether it's with a qualifier an alcoholic addict or not. yep, they just work better than the old ways that I used to cope with strenuous situations
0: all right. well my week, my week has been uh, very busy at work and using using the tools sort of continuously just to. To keep my sanity, I had two days in a row where I had, in the middle of the day, I had about six hours straight of meetings. One day it went through lunch. The other day I actually got a short break where I could I could go and, and eat some lunch and, and decompress a little bit. And it just requires me keeping my serenity up front and keeping my mouth shut. Why am I talking? I want to talk. I have an opinion on everything. And I need to leave space. It's important for me to leave space for other people to talk, especially since I'm supposed to, in most of the groups that I'm meeting with, I'm one of the leaders. I want to lead from behind almost. You know what, you know what that means? Like not like pushing people, mm-hmm. but, but being there to be the support, but not to be the dictator.
1: Yeah, attract rather than promote.
0: Attraction rather than promotion. We've talked about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes this is really, really hard for me. Yep. And there are some people that push my buttons like, like crazy at work. And I am conscious of that, and I work really hard not to react to the button. I try to listen to what it is they're actually saying and not to the emotion that I get when they say it. And it's not always easy. I'm, I'm getting better at it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm getting better at it. <laughs> um, meetings this week. I'm trying to remember. Sunday night was a good meeting, and I really don't. I think we went off whatever the courage to change reading was. There was there was good stuff there, but like like you say, just I don't remember the topic. Mm. And yesterday, my Saturday morning meeting was uh, tradition two at the the table I'm at. We we. Looking at one tradition a month and tradition two is about how the only authority is uh, loving God as expressed in our group conscience. I again connected it. I connect a lot of things to work these days. I'm spending a lot of time there. I'm having a lot of somewhat, um, what's the word I want here? Just difficult interactions with people and, and using my program tools as I, I expressed and, and understanding that pulling from the reading that my way is not necessarily the right way that I have to leave space for everybody else to express their understanding and that sometimes they're right and I'm wrong or sometimes their way, their idea maybe is better than my idea. What a concept. And that's, that was, it was a really good, it was a really good meeting. um, Also. So I'm glad for that. I'm planning to go to the, uh, uh, so the, the local, I don't know, Southeast Michigan or something, AA does an annual convention called March Roundup. It's in a couple of weeks, and, and my wife and I are going to be going to that. It'll be the first time for me at one of these big recovery conventions. So I'm looking forward to that, and I hope to be perhaps participating with the Recovered podcast. They're renting a suite during the conference and doing a live podcast from the conference, so I may be participating in that also. So that's the weekend of March 10th, it's in Dearborn, Michigan. If you live in the southeast Michigan area, you might uh, might consider checking it out. And if you're already planning to go, uh, hopefully we can meet up, maybe in the Recovered podcast, Hospitality Suite, Saturday afternoon. I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward to that. And when I said to my wife, hey, you want to do this? She's like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So she's been to some before. She's been to the, the big AA convention that happens every five years. She's been a couple of times and I have never been to one. So I think it'll be fun. And it will undoubtedly have major impact on uh, my recovery thoughts and ideas. What do we got coming up? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm doing this week to week right now, but a topic that was suggested recently was obsession or obsessive thinking. And I feel like that's that's a really good one. And so if you have thoughts on obsession or obsessive thinking maybe an example of where you've been obsessive in in your life or how recovery has helped you to stop being obsessive uh, maybe even better or both um, how does your obsession with somebody else's behavior such as drinking make your life unmanageable we welcome your thoughts you can join the conversation please leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your feedback or your questions and Eric how can people do that
1: you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734 734- Seven zero seven eight seven nine five. call right now Seven three four seven zero seven eight seven nine five. you can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer if, if, if you prefer not to use your voice you can send email to feedback at com.
0: and we'd love to hear from you and you can find out everything about the recovery show at our website therecovery.show or therecoveryshow.com either one of those works We have information about the show. We have notes for each episode. Links to the music that we're talking about, those would be in the show notes, which are always at therecovery.show slash whatever number episode. So this is 191. So therecovery.show slash 191 gets you here. And we have a page with information about contacting us in case those phone numbers and email addresses went right by you. Just go to therecovery.show slash contact or the recovery show and in the menu at the top there's a contact button and go to there and it's got all that information. I'm going to take a short break before looking at your emails. And our second musical selection, which will be available on the website, is by Carrie Underwood. It's titled Relapse. And I thought, well what the heck, you know, it's got to be appropriate, right? And this is, as Eric said, this is a song about relapse in a personal relation, not like relapse, although she ties it to, in one of the verses, she ties it to an alcoholic relapse in the wording. But when you really look at the lyrics, it's about relapse with a person. And, and I guess I sort of connected this to the the time when I was putting all of my serenity into somebody else's hands and, and then being very needy about getting attention from them. And here's some lyrics. I ain't hung up on you. I ain't in love with you. It's this is just time that I'm wasting. One or two little sips. I'm all right. I can quit. You're just someone that I'm tasting. I don't have to have you. I don't need to need you. Just a high that I'm chasing. Don't think I'm coming back. It's just a relapse. We got, uh, got a little bit of email this week.
1: Deborah says... Thank you for the shows. I listen on the way to and from work. Many meetings for my 20-minute drive time.
0: So Deborah was one of our supporters this, this weekend. And thank you, Deborah for your support as well. Um, I'm glad you you get 20 minutes each way. That, that works out pretty well. A listener asked, thank you so much for your podcast. Can you please send me a link for the al book you read from and reference frequently? And I did send a detailed email in response. I think... I imagine that the, the book that the listener was asking about is probably The Courage to Change Daily Reader because that's the one we read from most often. Um, but there there is a large amount of Al-Anon literature. We have a page on the website with a list of recovery-related books, many of which are available from Al-Anon and many others of which are available through Amazon. And there are links there uh, where you can buy The Courage to Change, Daily Reader, or... How Al-Anon Works, which is the basic book about Al-Anon, or lots of other Al-Anon literature directly from uh, the Al-Anon organization. You can also find these these books if you, if you go to a meeting. Most meetings will have literature available for purchase. You want to read Kim's email?
1: Kim writes, hello. I'm very new to Al-Anon. Two weeks. Don't know why it took me so long to finally decide to go. It was almost two years ago that I was encouraged by a friend, and I'm glad I have looked into it my sanity needed to be preserved and i'm finding that while the meetings are supplemental to me the readings and listening to this podcast have been the quote meat and potatoes again speaking for myself i listen using the Castbox app on my phone i intend to listen to every single episode right off the bat i hear you always asking for topics to discuss i am in a situation in which i have this renewed hope that i can remain in my marriage after all By applying the principles learned in Al-Anon while my teenage children felt pending relief that we were headed for divorce, it's almost like they are disappointed or threatened that I'm choosing not to give up on my alcoholic husband. I I don't blame them for feeling this way. If you have any shows with a topic that would help with this situation, can you point me in the right direction? Much appreciated. Thank you for doing this podcast. Sincerely, Kim.
0: Kim, we do have... Well, the one that comes first to mind for this question is an episode titled Stay or Go, which includes shares from several listeners about their decision to stay in a relationship with an alcoholic or to leave their alcoholic, and that includes my decision to stay. And that's episode 78. So as I say, you can go to therecovery.show/slash/seventy-eight and find that episode. Uh, or if you're listening in your Castbox app, I don't know if it's got a search feature, but it is episode seventy-eight. Hopefully, you can scroll back that far and find it. Um, if not, go to the website and and you can find it there.
1: I also um, think someone may have suggested a topic of parenting at one point.
0: Uh, yeah, that's that's on the list. Um, <laughs> I think that might have been you, Eric. Uh, and I and I have gotten some. I've gotten some. Uh, uh, Plus ones, if you will, for for that, or favorites, or likes, depending on what which uh, yeah. social app you you use. Um, uh, maybe yeah. I should have a Facebook page, and then people can can like things. I don't know.
1: Yeah, parenting for me, you know, she hits it right here. You know, choosing whether to stay or go with children involved. I mean, my children felt the same way. You know, why am I staying? Why don't you get divorced? And and I kept trying to save the marriage, trying and trying and trying it was really, it was, it was not helping. It was making them worse um, by me trying to hang on and, you know, not let go.
0: And I think that's really a great example of why we don't give advice in this program, because in my case, it worked for me. Uh, We were able to stay together um, while she was still drinking. And, and I think it really helps that, you know, she did find sobriety that we're still together, but you know, And and in your case, it was better to not stay. And and for each of us, it's different. Uh, So in that episode, like I say, we have several different perspectives, several different points of view, and several different experiences that hopefully um, Kim can relate to to one or more of those.
1: I'll have to look that one up too. I haven't
0: haven't heard that one. 78, stay or go. Okay, got it. And there probably are others that are not coming to my mind right now. Uh, So if you're listening all the way through, Kim, you'll find them. (laughs) all right james sent a short email james writes i just wanted to thank you all for being in service i listened to your first 10 podcasts during work what a blessing to be able to do my job while listening today and was very thankful for the experience strength and hope that my heart was filled with keep up the great work fyi i found you on podbean in the google play store ps i'd like to see you folks pictures of you guys on your website maybe and James isn't going to hear this response for a while if um he's listening from the beginning. Uh, I should probably respond to his email um yeah we don't we don't have pictures because of the whole anonymity thing. I suppose we could you know do pictures with a spirit wearing big floppy hats and and our faces in shade or something like that. I don't know.
1: Hey, can I go back for one moment, um, thinking further about Kim's email? I know you had mentioned something a while back when we started going back and forth talking about the tricky topic of possibly parenting. Parenting not only to children with an alcoholic mother or father as the sober parent, but possibly the issue of parenting to an addict or alcoholic child. Um, I don't know if it's the same uh, episode or not yeah. but she mentions teenage children and um, <laughs> you know the uh, thing we can do there I mean I think the most helpful thing we can do for teenage children living with an alcoholic parent is try to find teen meetings for them and mm-hmm. I think at one point you discussed possibility of having a an episode with teen sponsors uh, which would be incredibly helpful yeah. I think
0: yeah and and I'm in my my normal I want to do that thing, and I haven't gotten off the uh, mm-hmm. got, gotten off the the mark yet with it. I'm carrying around in my wallet email addresses for a couple of people that I want to contact to be on the show, and one of these days I'll actually send that email.
1: <laughs> I have a few uh, great Alatine sponsors uh, in this area as well. We uh, have a pretty strong Alatine group down here that would probably.
0: You know, I tried to convince my kids to go to Al- Alatine. I actually forced them to go to alatine and then I bribed them to go to alatine I did the same and so these my kids were what 12 I think at this point and I was offering them five dollars a meeting to go to alatine and they went to like two meetings
1: I did exactly the same thing I did five dollars a meeting
0: and same five dollars is like a lot of money for a 12 year old okay yeah um, and they could buy maybe a couple packs of Pokemon cards which is what it was at the time with five dollars you know and and they just weren't doing it they would not have it. And and I think part of it, it just has to do partly with their personalities, I think, and and maybe partly with what the meeting that was available at the time was like. I have no idea. I'd never been in it, you know. Yeah, that's,
1: I think, why having an alatine sponsor podcast might help us all in trying to find the right way to approach a child about, you know, getting some help. Yeah.
0: I do want to do that. And, and, and I'm thinking about the parenting, and I think we did a parents' roundtable way back in the beginning, and I don't remember what number it was, but it's 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 way back, I don't know, like 11 or 12 or something like that, um, where we had, I think, four parents of teenagers who were in an addiction of some sort uh, talking about their experience. And some of them, their kids were out, and some of them, the kids were, were in recovery. Um, but I think, although it may be the same person who's the sober parent and the parent of an alcoholic or addict, I feel like the topics maybe would benefit from from being treated separately. So th- I'm still thinking on that, um, but I, I I really would like to do that. And, yeah. and I can certainly relate to being the sober parent. Neither of my kids have gone out, and I hope they don't. So uh, hopefully I will not be in the other one with personal experience. So here we go. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. And I've mentioned one of those already, the books page, where if you order books from Amazon, we get a small commission, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly just like Kimberly, Cindy, and Deborah did. And thank you again, Kimberly, Cindy, and Deborah, for your support this week. you had another song here that uh, you had picked. You picked several, and, and I had to pick a couple from the ones you picked. So,
1: uh, This one is um, Moby. The title of the song is Slipping Away. There you go. How appropriate. The second uh, verse says, Open to everything happy and sad, Seeing the good when it's all going bad, Seeing the sun when I can't really see, Hoping the sun will at least look at me. And to me, that lyric says, you know, Staying present in the moment, Having gratitude, I mean, this attitude can help me. This positive attitude and having gratitude can help me avoid the cascade into negative thinking, and and uh, possibly avoiding a slip. You know, the sun in this case, I think, refers to his higher power that God mm-hmm. is uh, is there for help. I just hope he's looking, and maybe I can hear. It.